4: Welcome back, everybody, to the Early Line, live right here on Sports Grid Hour number two. I'm Kevin Walsh, joined by Donnie Wrights. I want to talk about some of the action that we saw yesterday in Major League Baseball. Light board, only four games, but there was plenty of action. A clean sweep of the overs. One game, though, bullied by extra innings. Oh, boy, under, under betters, Close your eyes. No runs through the first Six innings. The Yankees take the lead in the seventh, and then the eighth, and then the ninth, and then they keep on giving it up here. Donna, this is what you always talk about. 1 1 becomes 2 2, becomes 3 3, becomes 8 6, 14 runs. The Yankees win the game 8 to 6.
5: Yep, it's like having a nice little backboard there when you're taking overs because if you can just get two extra innings with the extra runner, you tend to get some fireworks, and you got exactly that in the Yankees-Royals game. 8-6 final, 21 total hits in the game. And the joke was, you know, we're watching it all the way through going, Man, sooner or later, the Yankees are going to score a run, but let's hope it's not until the sixth or seventh inning to get those team totals, which are showing up at the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus one and a half, or excuse me, one run and a half at plus money numbers. And as long as you got the one run for the Yankees, which you got, the minute you saw the one run for the Kansas City Royals, like, hey, I'm in pretty good shape. As long as it gets the extra innings, we should be able to score. But you are so correct. Looking at a total of 10, imagine saying, hey, First six innings. Nobody has scored. I'm sitting on the under ten. This is a perfect scenario. Even if it gets two extra innings at two to two, I'm gonna win this game. Not to be so. Fourteen total runs. And it was a nice atmosphere for hitting out there in Kansas City also, Kevin. You know, mid nineties to start the game. And I was telling you before it started, if any night the Yankees are gonna hit, it's going to be tonight. Theoretically. I mean they still didn't hit after six runs six innings, <laughs> not getting a single run in that ball game. But if you look at the final score, and I guess that's all that matters, yeah, Donnie, they did score. They scored eight times in that yeah. game and they did hit the over. Congratulations, overs backers. That's what you like. Get the extra innings and you got a shot.
4: On In Play Sports tonight, we kept making the joke, even though it wasn't a joke, it was a real thing. At the end of every half inning, Carlos Hernandez throwing a one-hitter, just looking up <laughs> to the sky. I just can't believe this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, he was, he couldn't believe his eyes. Carlos Hernandez is not a very good pitcher. But I guess Carlos Hernandez missed a Jorge Lopez one-hitter through six innings, or the Marco Gonzalez two-hitters through six and two-thirds. Like, I mean, this is just what this team does. The question, though, Donnie, is – you look at the lineup, and I don't even mean the advanced numbers, right, that give you the sense of why this team is so bad. There's just so many things wrong. Rizzo, Sanchez, Glaber, Torres, whether it be COVID, a thumb injury, they're banged up. Their pitching staff is banged up in a, at a very important time in the season. It's concerning.
5: It's very concerning because this is the time you're supposed to make your charge where maybe the Red Sox are leaking a little bit of oil. You wanted to be full go because you want to get the semblance of your team as you head into the rest of August and September right after the trade deadline. Look at who we got. Let's get the team together. Let's have the boys hang out in the locker room. Everybody get to know each other so that by the time in the next two to three weeks, that lineup is going to be set in stone, and we're going to be ready to make a push here with this big money lineup. But it seems like every single day, the Yankees are losing somebody to COVID, the Yankees are losing somebody to injury, whereas you want this team to have that camaraderie around each other. You want to know that every day, Kevin, you line up at the ballpark, you're not looking at the line and say, who's in, who's out, where am I hitting today, Skip? Because yesterday, obviously, DJ LeMay, who going down to the five-hole, as opposed to being in the one-hole here, maybe that was done because of so many injuries and just sort of the flow of the lineup needed to change, so they moved mm-hmm. Brett Gardner into the leadoff position. We'll see how it gets back, but each and every day where the Yankees can hold their head above water is a good day, because once you get these superstar high-paid players back you hope they're going to perform so maybe you set the timeline back a little bit Kevin Saying, look we wanted to make that surge in the first 15 days of August maybe now it's the last 15 days of August that you're going to step in once you get Garrett Cole back and some of these other guys off the IL COVID list and then you can make that push but having said that you just got to win ball games the Yankees did that last night
4: no doubt about it. We bring the radio audience into the fold here. Thanks to all those that are listening to the early line on a Tuesday morning on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090, all of our radio affiliates out there. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wright side with you. Donnie, we didn't get to a hero of the night, but if we did, it would have been Eric Cosmer, I think, no doubt about it. Three for three, three runs scored, two hits, two RBIs, and cashed the run that helped us hit a FanDuel Sportsbook Osbus for this game that the Padres win and at least eight runs in the game.
5: Exactly. You got the 4-1 to one lead after four innings, so you figured you're on your way to get those eight runs in the game and a Padres victory. And say, man, what's going to happen here? Actually took a replay for a two-run shot by the Miami Marlins in the top of the eighth, but then the bottom of the eighth inning, some more late-inning magic and fireworks, in the last at-bat that you're going to get for the Padres. They put four on the board so an eight to an 8-3 to final, which casts a plus $200 ticket here at the FanDuel Sportsbook on their odds booth with the Padres to win and also get more than runs total in the game of eight or more, which obviously the Padres handled themselves alone. That was a nice victory there late into the night, 16 total runs, but I joked about it yesterday. Hey, man, the Marlins, Kevin, out on the West Coast sightseeing here, 8-3 victory, no big deal to them, but a huge deal for the San Diego Padres.
4: The Miami Marlins pitching staff, by the way, is getting absolutely obliterated on a regular basis now. Over the last four games, they've given up 14 runs, 7 runs, 13 runs, 8 runs. And again, this is supposed to be the strength of the Future of the, Mark, yeah, not good, not good in my <laughs> eyes. Just being honest, it's not, it's not great, not great. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, uh, Cleveland beat Cincinnati nine to three in a makeup game. There, Cincinnati will head to Atlanta. The White Sox mashed Minnesota. Tim Anderson led that game off with a home run. They never looked back. Eleven to one. Cubs-Brewers was postponed. They'll pick that up today, which was a shame. There was a nice odds boost on a Peralta-Mills strikeout combined. All right, we hit a break here. We come on back. Conference odds for the NBA available on Fanduel.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
6: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling.
4: Back right here on the early line. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wright side with you. The FanDuel Sportsbook has now uploaded odds to win the Eastern and Western Conference. And I just want to take a look at these, get a shape, see where they are initially. I don't think anybody's going to be looking to slam wagers on these today. We'll start in the Eastern Conference, though. And, I mean, Donnie, they're a pick. The Brooklyn Nets are plus 105. 105. When the Eastern Conference on August 10th, like, I agree they are the best team in the East. They are probably a tier of their own. But a pick now, I don't, man, it's wild to me, Don. It really is.
5: No, when you look at the Eastern Conference, and I, I guess we could look and say, well, you know, we preface this by saying if the Brooklyn Nets are healthy, they're going to run away with the title next year. Again, if they're healthy. But also you have to look from a real-world perspective here. So if you have it, you're a better and you say you bet, hey, everything I bet is $100. Do I want to give $100 today for a plus 105 that I'm going to cash 12 months down the line? Usually when you take a futures wager, it's like, give me – 10 to 1, 20 to 1, 30 to 1. I'll put $100 down, and boy, what a nice prize that is that I waited for. It's like you know putting your money in the bank at some ridiculously high interest rate. But the simple fact is basically, let me give you 100 and oh yeah, give me back this 100 at the end of the year. But I do think the Brooklyn Nets, obviously to me, Kevin, are the favorite here in the Eastern Conference. Plus 105, a little bit short lines. What are we going to get out of the Milwaukee Bucks? Because if we saw a healthy Brooklyn Nets team last year, Maybe we're talking about the Bucks splitting everybody up because they were on their way to getting swept by the Brooklyn That's And also keep in mind in Game 7, If Kevin Durant didn't have size 22 shoes, they would have been moving Hmm. on as that late two-pointer would have turned into a three-pointer. The most interesting one to me, Kevin, in the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers. And you say, no, wait a second. Hmm. They didn't really make any moves. You know, Milwaukee won the championship. Brooklyn should be healthy. Did you see what the Miami Heat did? The Atlanta Hawks shoring up their team. Ben Simmons is still coming back to Philadelphia. I don't think they're that good. You have to remember, the team is basically going to come back intact if Ben Simmons is still there once the the season tips off this was a team that won the eastern conference last year so my initial thoughts looking at a nine to one price and saying it should actually be higher like 10-to-1, 11-to-1, or 12-to-1 because they haven't made any moves. Keep in mind, they still might make the moves, but even if they don't, Kevin, this is still a talented basketball team coming back at a 9-to-1 price here in the Eastern Conference. Should be interesting to watch, like what the Heat did, obviously. We'll see if the Celtics, with a new coach and maybe a new mindset, can sort of make that next jump. The Atlanta Hawks, we know, are very talented. But from the numbers I'm looking at, do I think Brooklyn wins it? I do. But I look at that Sixers price at plus 9-to-1. That's an interesting number here
4: for me, Kevin. So here's – I'm glad you brought the Sixers up. To me, again, the current team, no value. I don't know if Donnie and I disagree on this, but we've talked about Ben Simmons will never play another game for the Sixers. It's not a backup plan. It's not viable. They've made it very clear they want to move on from him. Their season ended. Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers, they said, hey, buddy, right under the bus. And Ben Simmons is like, yep, get me out of town. I want to go elsewhere now. See, for the Sixers, a backup plan of, hey, we couldn't figure anything out. Let's just run back the team that was the one seed is great. I don't think that's an option. With that being said, We know they're going to make a move. There was a report that came out yesterday, two days ago. Their main goal is to get Damian Lillard to Philadelphia. Their main goal is not trading Ben Simmons. That's going to have to happen realistically if you're going to be getting Damian Lillard. But their main goal is to get Dame to Philly. And that's why that Sixers price is interesting. Because as much as I kind of said, like, how many people are really betting these odds right now today? Donnie. If there's any inclination that Damian Lillard is going to go to the Sixers, simply just talking value, that number five to one, Donnie, it's at no, no way it's higher than that, right? It's got to be five to one or lower. One hundred percent. And that's what you're trying to
5: the angle is going to be because if the Sixers come back intact, they're still a good team and nine to one I think is a fair price. Yeah. But you're also looking around the corner. I also think Kevin they're sitting at nine to one with the anticipation that another move possibly could be made because they're sitting in that mm-hmm. three hole for a reason. They're not sitting there saying Ben Simmons is gonna get traded away, you're gonna get a package of, you know, four pick swaps and two B level players back. Because obviously that nine to one, if Ben Simmons gets traded away for not much returning back, that's gonna go to ten to 11 to one, and twelve to one. But I think it's sitting there in that third slot here in the east saying you know what if they don't trade him that's still a pretty good basketball team if they do trade him and upgrade to a dame lillard type player that number is going to increase it's a good point you bring up there
4: by the way as well just looking at the east there in terms of value things that jump off of the page here i'm not sure Atlanta was a fluke and i feel like that number suggests that they were Went to the conference finals if try young stays healthy they might have been able to beat that milwaukee team Yes, even if Giannis stayed healthy as well. Again, they won the first game of that series in Milwaukee. They won a game seven in Philadelphia. They looked way better than the New York Knicks in that series. And do not forget how young this team is. They're only going to get better. Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, all sub 25. Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, they fill out that top, that starting five. None of them are 30 years old here. Atlanta, 21 to 1, jumps out a little bit here. Donnie, take it to the Western Conference. You just look through the odds. Does anything jump out to you? The Lakers are your favorite, plus 195. Golden State, the Clippers, both checking in at 5 to 1. Anything jumping off the page when you see these Western Conference odds?
5: There's two of them that I actually like here. Obviously, are the Lakers going to be the betting favorites? Sure. It's like that old Yankee tax we used to put in the equation when they were ripping off you know, playoff run after playoff run, World Series after World Series. No matter what, you're going to be taking on Yankees' money. Same thing with the Lakers. That's a very good basketball team here. Yes, I know it's predicated on them getting a little bit older and still staying healthy, primarily looking at LeBron James. But let's just say they do stay healthy somewhat for the next season. That's a good team, and they should be the favorites to win the Western Conference. But just below them, Kevin, I'm waiting to see what's going to take place here with the Golden State Warriors. Because also keep in mind, some of those teams where we always equate it back to Ben Simmons because you're looking for the next moves to be made. There's not any huge free agent news that's going to come down the line from this point forward that's going to shift these odds anywhere. It's going to come from the trade market where maybe if you included some young players and picks and you got Ben Simmons onto that team where you could run a small lineup out there where Ben Simmons is de facto five Five and plays nasty good defense. That really would help that Golden State Warriors team. But just looking from a health perspective, if Golden State makes no moves here, Kevin, and comes back here, and you got a healthy Steph Curry, you got a healthy, you know, Klay Thompson. That's going to be a really good basketball team in the new wave of the mm-hmm. NBA, knocking down three-pointers where two of the best of all time to do it will be healthy and ready to play this season. I'm looking towards them. The Clippers, not so much on my radar here at 5-1 to one because I'm waiting to see what Kawhi Leonard's going to do, if he's going to come back. Or he's yeah. just going to say, you know what, this is a season. I'm just trying to get healthy, Kevin, and that's all that's to it. But also... Utah Jazz, plus 650. I think that is interesting as well. So when I'm looking for a team to overtake the Lakers, it sounds easy and cheap to go. But I've always liked that Golden State Warriors team. Once they get healthy, and it looks like, Kevin, entering into 2021, they're going to be healthy.
4: And and by the way, like for me with the Lakers, it's the same thing as the Nets. Like, don't bet plus 195. Now it's outrageous. There's no, no, don't do that. Like that, that number is not going to be minus 130 when we get to the time the bracket is set. So do not be betting that Lakers number. I think Golden State's interesting in the same vein as Philadelphia. They're linked to a lot of players. They want to continue to improve their roster. The Clippers, give me a quiet update, and then we'll figure the number out. Like That's just the reality of the situation. What's funny to me, though, Don, is I've made my feelings on Phoenix very clear. A round one exit if the Lakers don't get injured, played one healthy team, lost four straight games. But I don't really understand how they're plus 850 when you look. at Gold State last year was, did not play playoff basketball. I mean, just mentioned that Kawhi Leonard was – we don't know what Kawhi Leonard is going to be. And, it, like, Donnie, the Jazz didn't beat the Clippers. The Suns did. How are the Jazz $2 less than the Phoenix Suns? I don't seem to understand that.
5: I don't know. Maybe they're just pushing back the timeline of Chris Paul. Like, how much more does he have left in the tank? Last year was their season. And sometimes you see that, you know, into next season, that malaise that, boy, last year was our season. Now we got to play a full 82-game schedule and get to the playoffs mm-hmm. and win in a couple rounds and get through. Every break went Phoenix's way, and that's reflected in the odds of why they're plus 850 after almost winning the NBA championship last year.
4: We all we often talk sometimes when it comes to the futures markets for example right the Nets number they do not want Nets bets they're good they think they're going to win the championship you keep that money you fling it down the board they seem to be welcoming in those Phoenix Suns Western conference prices which is quite interesting I think all right we'll take a break here we come back take it or leave it ACC win totals continue. All right, let's keep things moving here on the early line. Take it or leave it. ACC win totals. Yesterday, we talked at the top, top, top of this conference, Clemson, UNC, and Miami. The one team that would love to throw themselves in the mix there, Boston College. A win total on the FanDuel Sportsbook of seven. Juiced a lot, though. Minus 130 is the price that you pay for over seven wins on Boston College. Donnie, take it or leave it. How about this one? I'm going to
5: take this, Kevin. And if you look from last year, 2020, 2020, the COVID season, as we like to call it here, 6-5, and which means they picked up six victories last year. So before even looking at the schedule, say, okay, that's a decent season for Boston College. How does it equate to 2021? Fans back in the stands, do you have any momentum? Kevin, take a look at this. Nine offensive starters are coming back here. But the key ingredients here, your quarterback is returning, your entire offensive line, and also all your weapons at wide receiver. That is sensational. So you already have that camaraderie here from the offensive side of the football. Take a look at defense. 11 starters on the field, right? Nine of them coming back this year. So you have basically 18 starters out of the 21 coming back and saying, hey, they won six last year. Let's see if they can increase it by one game. I think they can. And also, you like to start hot. When you have a football team, whether it's professional football or college football, you get off to a good start, your team starts to believe in itself and say, hey, we can do some big things this year. Take a look at the opening game. Colgate, that should be a win. UMass, That should be a victory. At Temple, that should be a victory. Missouri, now you're going to have them at home, so obviously an SEC team coming to town, it's not going to be an easy victory. But theoretically, Kevin, that should be a victory. So if you're telling me over the Mm -hmm. first four games, I'm going to get four wins and a team total to at least push, i got to get to that seven-win number. The ACC isn't all that deep. You should be able to pick those statistics up. Now, you do get Clemson very well after those four wins. I think they're going to pick up to start the season. So four and one, then heading towards... NC State at home, at Louisville, at Syracuse, which is a bad program. Virginia Tech is a tough place to play. But, Kevin, you got him at home. I'm going to take it right now. BC is going to get to at least seven wins for that push with a really good chance, Kevin, of winning eight games here.
4: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think your worst case scenario is basically you allow the book to hold 130 bucks for the season. I can't see them not getting at least the seven wins. And I, you go, first of all, you love going to Clemson. Because you weren't beating Clemson anyway. You gave them a scare last year. They are going to be incredibly focused for that game. So good. Let me go there and get obliterated as opposed to that being one of my valuable home games, which is always so important in college football season. And look, I know they have to play the games, obviously. But just projecting it out, Donnie, there's probably only three games that they're dogs in, right? Clemson, of course, at Louisville, at Georgia Tech. Those are winnable games. We're not looking at Vod Tech. We're not looking at G Tech here as... World beaters being able to host Wake host FSU that's the other thing as well. Don, if it's coming down the stretch right and you have a six-win Boston College team with two weeks to play FSU and Wake Forest, you like your chances again of being right there firmly in the mix. I really think that Boston College. It's easy to see why that minus one thirty number is juiced. If it was seven and a hook, maybe you'd have a little bit more reservations here. Let's talk about Florida State. Mention it. At the back end of that Boston College schedule, their number checks in at five and a half. Norvell looking to get this team back to prominence. Boy, it's so bizarre to think just not that long ago this team was the national champions. Like, and then proceeded, you know, they went back to the number one overall spot on the college football playoff. The insane Jameis Winston falling down game against Oregon. Donnie, Florida State checks in here, though, with a five and a half. Take it or leave it. Over for that number. It is amazing because
5: the Bobby Bowden era, you know, basically from the 80s all the way through the early 2000s, a dominant program. Jimbo Fisher winning championships, a dominant program. This is a 12-game schedule, Kevin, and we're looking at Florida State's team total at a a 5.5. Most people just say, where do I sign up? This is going to be so easy. Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. You know, offensive starters, yes, they do have nine players coming back, but also no real quarterback position. You know, sort of a disaster. First-year head coach Mike Norvell last year for the Florida State Seminoles didn't look good throughout the season. They didn't perform well on offense. So if you're just looking to say, hey, just another year in the scheme, they should be better. I'm not buying it all that much. Defensive starters returning, only five. But catch this, Kevin, as you take a look at the schedule here. You know, it starts out in Notre Dame. Probably not going to win that football game. Jacksonville State, the second game of the season. You should be able to win that at Wake Forest, possibly a victory. But take a look at the schedule. After Louisville and Syracuse, it really heats up. At North Carolina. Now, you're going to beat UMass. Everybody should be able to beat UMass this year. That's one of those free wins. So, Jacksonville State, and then you take a look at, you know, the UMass game. That should be winners. But look at this. At Clemson, NC State at home, Miami, Florida at home, at DC and at Florida. It's perceivable, Kevin, that after the UMass game, they might not win again. So, Clemson, NC State, mm-hmm. Miami, Boston College, and Florida. Losing your final five games right there. Florida State's team totals of five and a half. Kevin, I'm leaving it. I'm going on the under in that one.
4: Strong agree. So, at the end of the day, right, we're not going to be able to bet every single win no. total. I think I might be betting the under five and a half here for Florida State. Look, you go through some projections. They have one unit that ranks in the top half of the ACC, and it's running back. Their wide receiver group is truly awful. McKinsey Milton has not played a football game in three years. I know he was unbeaten at UCF. I'm not sure McKenzie Milton's going to come in here and be the savior. I'm not even sure if he's going to actually be able to come away with the starting job. Again, you talk about projections. First, second, third. All-team ACC projected one third-team defensive player. That's the same amount as Syracuse. Like, they don't have a first team, a second. Like, the talent is just not there yet. They're recruiting well, but I don't know if it is there yet for FSU. And to emphasize Donnie's point on the schedule, basically, after UMass, it's tough. It's one of those things where if you're an FSU backer, you're an overbacker, you go, please just give me one and four. But if you get one and four, then you basically need to be Perfect. You need to be in the games that you're supposed to win. You have to beat UMass. You have to beat Jacksonville State. Okay, yes, you will. But that only now has yet three. That means they need to sweep at Wake, home versus Louisville, and Syracuse. Or then they're going to have to pick off one of Notre Dame or North Carolina. I don't see that happening. It is one of I think, of the bets that we've been going through. Under 5.5 for Florida State feels like something I'm going to get to the window on. Let's talk about some of the bottom feeders here. And I want to talk about a number that's incredibly juiced. It's the Syracuse over of 3.5. It is plus 120 on the orange to win four games. It's funny now because this is going to feel like more of the same. You and I were talking about this one before we got rolling here. I don't know how this team Wins four football games. Talk to me. Take it or leave it. Over three and a half for Syracuse. Love
5: the move back in the day a couple of years ago when Dino Babers went to Syracuse, put their offense into that next level, that MAC run and shoot, funny gun style, which you should be able to recruit athletes up to Syracuse and be able to win football games. Hasn't really translated. As you saw last year, Kevin, a 1 and 10 overall picked up a victory over Georgia Tech and got smoked the rest of the way. And I see a lot more of the same this year from the Syracuse Orange. When we take a look at their offense, look, nine players are coming back on offense who were starters this year. Ten on defense. So you should say like, hey, they have a lot of good players coming back, or at least a lot of starters coming back. But then again, as I just said, just because the starters are coming back doesn't mean they're good starters and they're coming back into the fold because you're looking at an ultra low number. A 12 game schedule, Kevin, just to win four games when you usually have a couple cupcakes in Division I football to try to, you know, boost your win totals to get to bowl games. Look at the Syracuse schedule at Ohio on the road. That's a MAC team. It's a very good MAC team. Now, Solich no longer the head football coach at Ohio, so we'll see what that means once they take the field. Syracuse should have enough athletes to win that football game. Going to Rutgers, no longer a doormat here to Greg Shiano's. Is going to be able to be playing good football. And also, you do have them at home, I get it, but that's no easy victory there. And Rutgers probably going to be favored in that game. You of Albany, you should be able to win that game. Liberty, even though you lost to them, maybe they're taking a little bit of a downturn in their program and you should have enough athletes to beat Liberty. So if we're looking at a win at Ohio, Albany, and Liberty, that's three wins if you can get those. Now you're looking forward to the rest of the season, Kevin, and just need one more win? But I don't know where it comes from. I don't see it anywhere. I mean, Florida State, could they beat them? Sure. Wake Mm. Forest, they got them at home. They better win that game. Clemson, VTech, BC, Louisville, NC State, Pittsburgh. They need one more win, essentially, Kevin, over the last month and a half of the season. and I'm trying Mm -hmm. to find a win where they can possibly get it. You see the three and a half, it's ultra low. I got to stay under. I can't just take everybody over. This one seems like an under again for me.
4: What's funny is it feels like you're basically, if you bet the O, you're like, I'm betting Syracuse to be 4-0. Like, you're not yes. going to do that. This is actually really simple, though. If you like Syracuse over, forget tying up your money. They're minus 118 money line week one against Ohio. That's the play. Minus. If they lose Ohio, you're losing that over three and a half. I promise you that. I promise you that. Just bet in week one against Ohio. And to be honest with you, too, if you like the under, maybe you just play Ohio in that game as well. I want to bring up the Blue Devils, though, because Duke has that same number of three and a half, but their juice is flipped, Donnie, at minus 135. Basically a similar start to Cuse. It's a lot of easy games early and then a hope and a prayer down the stretch. What do you make of this number for the Blue Devils? Again, look, we we like to take something like Boston College is
5: over. We talked about Miami's over. Clemson, can they get to the total? So, obviously, not everybody in the conference can hit their over-unders because primarily they're playing each other. But you're right, a a three-and-a-half number for Duke. Wait a second. Cutcliffe's a great head coach. Last year, two and nine. They were abysmal last year, not figuring out the quarterback situation. Only five offense returning starters. Charlotte's a good football program. They're going to be in a dogfight week one. You better beat North Carolina A&T. And then the schedule with Kansas at home seems to be the pivotal game I'm going to go under again on three-and-a-half here. What's with me this morning?
4: <laughs> this one I do think you, you play towards the over. The juice is out. Here's the thing. They played Charlotte last year. They beat them by, like, 35 points. Yep. North Carolina, A&T, Kansas. That has to be three wins. Yes, you're asking them to start three-and-one. I get it. But they should. And as long as they do, you have eight weeks to get a game. Eight weeks to get one game. Now, it's going to be tough. It's going to be stressful, but you got eight weeks. I think you give yourself a chance on that over for the Duke Blue Devils here. Let's get four wins, Duke. Come on back. We'll break down the baseball board.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: back right here on the early line. Time to preview the Major League Baseball board. We have a game today between a division leader and a second-place team. The division leader, the Philadelphia Phillies. The second-place team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Phils, red hot. I mean, this team just win, win, win. It is all they do right now. They've won eight baseball games in a row. Their favorite to lose today Aaron versus Max Scherzer, total eight and a half. Dodgers landing here, minus 180. Price is Citizens Bank ballpark. Donnie, talk to me on this game. Yeah, amazing stuff on that,
5: but rightfully so. The Phillies have their de facto ace. I know Zach Wheeler has been the better pitcher this year than Aaron Nola, but if you're looking at a starting lineup overall, Nola usually gets the ball on opening day, so he is your de facto one. Going up against Max Scherzer, no stranger here to the Philadelphia Phillies. And also, boy, what I would like tonight here. Get this, Kevin. You know, Citizens Bank ballpark probably packed tonight. Everybody looking forward to it. The Dodgers are in town. Max is back on the mound, and Max is ready to throw the first pitch. Joe Girardi goes to Duggan. Hey, hey, guys. Come over here real quick. (laughs) Go ahead and check this guy's belt and this guy's hat one more time today to sort of set off the festivities. But looking have we seen this story before? Max Scherzer is amazing. Max Scherzer knows how to pitch in Philadelphia. Max Scherzer knows this Philadelphia Phillies lineup. So it wasn't surprising to me that they had the favorite LA Dodgers coming to town even though the Fighting in Phils have won eight straight ball games here. Looking for number nine in a row, but when you take a look at the lineups and how they match up, Max Scherzer, not the most dominant performance over the last 30 days even though that last outing, or I should say, the first outing for the Dodgers was super impressive. 4.38 XFIP number over the last 30 days. He's given it up a little bit to left-handed batters, at 356 weighted on base percentage, coupled with an ISO power number of .270. So if we take a look at the lineup today, lefties in the lineup, Odubo Herrera, Bryce Harper, Miller, and also Jankowski, you do have four eligible lefties going up against probably four eligible right-handed batters. The Phillies will be in this game. The vibes are good in the city here, but I just don't know if it's another one of those where the Phillies' offense has been good, but here comes Max Scherzer down the line Six and two-thirds innings, one earned run, leave it up to the Phillies' bullpen to win. I agree with the Dodgers being the favorites, Kevin, but I wouldn't lay that price with the Dodgers on the road in the city of Philadelphia, even though I think the Dodgers probably going to beat the Fighters tonight.
4: Let me just quickly say the NOLA de facto ace thing, which obviously is true, mm-hmm. but Zach Wheeler, by the way, is now the favorite to win NL Cy Young plus 160. Yes. over Walker Bueller. A couple baseball guys try to let you know about that deal. Just saying. Now, Here's the other thing when it comes to the Phillies. Every single day I tell Don the same thing. Ooh, Phillies are playing. I must like the over. Eight and a half? Aaron Ola's tremendous at home on the season. Last time he was out there, nearly a a complete game, one run allowed performance against the Atlanta Braves, who've been hitting. Max Erzer, like three appearances against the Phillies this year, a sub-two ERA against them. Eight and a half? Little high, Donnie? Or am I walking into a trap here because maybe Max is a little more vulnerable these days?
5: I do. I agree with you, because usually with play, again, it's a hitters ball ballpark, so it's going to be muggy in the city of Philadelphia. You'll have two good pitchers on the mound, but a playoff atmosphere around it. The only thing that gives you a little bit of pause here is just when you look at talent between both of these lineups. Let's just go down the Dodgers, you know, eight that's anticipated to be in the lineup tonight. It almost doesn't seem fair. Trey Turner, Max Muncy, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Will Smith, Albert Pujols, Cody Bellinger, Pollock. <laughs> Where is the free out in that lineup as opposed to Max Scherzer hmm. coming up pitching? That's a full 27 outs that you have to battle every single player in that roster here as you hold forward. That's what Bowie So We're going to get a Max Scherzer on the mound. I'm going to get a better bullpen, theoretically, from a Dodgers perspective. And I'm getting that Dodgers lineup. It makes sense to me tonight. Rooting for the Phillies? Yes. Hoping they win? Absolutely. But this is one of those, you know, measuring stick series that we usually talk about in football for the Philadelphia Phillies. Was it fool's goal beating the Mets who can't hit? Now you get a powerhouse coming in here with a Cy Young pitcher on the mound. Let's see what type of damage you can do tonight. Looking forward to it.
4: Yeah, again, that's a really exciting game. Another big game, Red Sox. Rays Boston has been Struggling of recent Only two wins in their last Eight games, Tampa Along with the Yankees And the Blue Jays have all won eight of their last ten That's how Boston now find themselves Four back of Tampa Bay and only a game up In the loss column of both the Yankees And the Blue Jays but Boston is favored today, Donnie, Fenway Park Total checking in at now Ten runs up from nine and a half what do we think about this one?
5: That's an interesting move here. Not to say they can't score, because obviously you're in a, uh, certainly a hitter's ballpark up there at Fenway. But take a look at Eduardo Rodriguez's numbers. His xFIP, Kevin, over the last 30 days, absolutely sensational at a 2.88. The reason why that's so high, he's striking out 40% of the batters that he's faced. That's over 69 batters, Kevin. 40% of them haven't even put the ball in play. That's certainly going to bode well. But when you take a look overall... At the walk numbers, which are a little bit high for Eduardo Rodriguez, About 16% of the batters he's faced his walk. So basically it feels like, Kevin, he's either striking you out or you're walking with little room in between to get a base hit. But check out the numbers here for Tampa Bay over the last 30 days when facing left-handed pitching. Look at these walk rates. Look well. Now, again, he's only had five at-bats here for his worst lefties over the last 30 days, but he's walked 40% of those at-bats. Nelson Cruz, 14%. Wonder Franco, 12%. Diaz, 12%. Marco, 13%. Lowe, 12%. Zunito, 15%. They're taking those pitches here. So maybe if you're not turning it into strikeouts for Rodriguez, getting base runners on, using high leverage situations overall, this could be a pretty good look here for Tampa Bay to pick up a victory over Boston. It's I mean, pick them, minus 120 in that range, 10s overall. I would lean towards Boston since they are at home, and Eduardo Rodriguez is a strikeout pitcher. I do believe they have the better pitching matchup. That's the way I'll go with this one here. And, again, maybe it's a little bit homer in me because I keep saying Boston is going to make it to the playoffs. Well, if you're going to make it to the Hmm. playoffs, Boston, you better start with tonight picking up a victory against the Rays.
4: Tampa swept Boston the last time they saw them. That was in Tampa Bay. The last time these played and these teams played at Fenway Park, second series of the season, Boston did sweep them. So perhaps Fenway Park will be kind to the Red Sox. They certainly need it to be. Another big NL matchup today. Sneaky is Reds Braves. Again, the Reds, I know they lost yesterday, but they're trying to hunt down Milwaukee. They're going to need some help. That's a team nine games above 500. and Atlanta continues. I know, Don, to be a team that you are keeping close, close attention on here. Game's basically a pick, really is. Total toss-up game here, total checking in right now, a juiced nine, nine and a half probably depending when you get in.
5: Yeah, it should be interesting here to match up. Sonny Gray is going to be on the mound today. His last 30 days, Kevin, average. You know, XFIP number right around four, handling his business. But from the right-hand side here, he is a right-handed pitcher. A four forty-two weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of .171. Take a look at the lineup, and it's very formidable now. We keep getting back to the Atlanta Braves and how they moved and operated around the trade deadline just to make their team an even better ball club and not spend a lot of money doing it here. Ozzy Albies, Jorge Soler, Freeman, Riley, Swanson, Duvall, Peterson, and Vote. That is a legitimate 1-8 through eight lineup, but also keep in mind, coming back here for Cincinnati, Nick Castellano's back in the lineup. Smiley's not a very good pitcher. Last 30 days here, Kevin, close to a 5X fifth number. And the key ingredient from a left-handed pitcher is not actually getting lefties out, is how you handle the right side. Since most teams can stack a good amount of right-handed batters against you. 376 weighted on base percentage. And if we take a look at that ISO power number, that's at a 220. So a little bit elevated. Right-handed batters, India, Castellanos, Stevenson, Farmer, Suarez, and Aquino. You're going to get some power in the lineup today. It's a hitter's ballpark, as we like to say. Let me just do a quick weather check here down in Atlanta for tonight. Rain is in the forecast, Kevin, but eighty six degrees here. We know it's hot and muggy down in Atlanta. Maybe that ball will carry. Looking for some runs in this game.
4: Dinger Tuesday. Maybe, oh, yeah. oh, possibly. Oh, no. something...
5: Pressure's on. Pressure's on.
4: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mr. 5 for 5 stepping on up today. Uh, I'll just say this. Cincinnati has cashed over, ticket six of their last seven, and Atlanta's done the same in four of their last five. So both of these teams have been hitting in recent. I might as well also bring up the Mets then, Donnie. Carlos Carrasco pitching against the Washington Nationals, the New York Mets playing some really, really bad baseball, minus 235. Carlos Carrasco at City Field. That's just a gigantic. Gigantic number there on the New York Mets.
5: It, it, and that actually should be here. And, you know, sometimes you get caught up in what you see out of the team because the Mets look dead in the water. What, 2-8 and eight over the last 10 games, not performing all that well, swept out in Philadelphia, licking their rooms. They got the day off. They should be able to come out and hit here. Espino's on the mound tonight, Kevin. Last 30 days, close to a 5 x x-pip, both lefties and righties, mm-hmm. hammering this guy. Weighted on base percentage, 339 to lefties, to righties, a 394. And how about this, Kevin? It's not like he's had basically 100 batters he's faced over the last 30 days in his starts. Look at from the right side here. 52 batters he's faced. A 400 ISO power number. So if you're a right-handed bat, you should hammer this guy. If you're a left-handed bat, you should hammer this guy. Nimmo, McNeil, Alonzo, Smith, Davis, Conforto, VR, Nito. That's a pretty good lineup here. But as we like to say, Kevin, in the city of New York, particularly in Queens, it's a force field over city field here. Some of the Mets just can't hit it home. So am I going to sit here today and be like, yep, tonight's the night the Mets are going to be able to hit Washington. But again, if they don't hit Washington, there's a lot deeper issues here. And if they can't beat the Washington Juan Sotos, as I like to call them, I don't know what to expect out of the Mets. You have to win this game. You're a heavy-priced favorite for a reason. Your lineup should hit tonight. It's a bad bullpen for the Nationals. It's a bad lineup for the Nationals. It's a bad starting pitcher on the mound for the Nationals tonight. Come on, Mets. You should win this game and you should hit tonight.
4: It wouldn't surprise me by the way if the Mets were like back in first place by the end of everybody's next yes. series. Yeah. I'm yeah. just like they're playing the Nats at home, like Atlanta's got Cincinnati, the Phil's got the Dodgers. It's just it's not a lot of easy stuff out there. All right, time for my least favorite part of the show where I asked Donnie if the Yankees will hit, he'll go, they should hit, but they won't hit. They're going against the Kansas City Royals. They're throwing a terrible lefty on the mound here, and Daniel Lynch. <laughs> oh boy. All right, Donnie. I mean, I basically gave people the script, but let them know. The Yankees should hit, but they won't yeah. hit.
5: All right, in-play sports tonight. Make sure you tune in. I'm going to say, you know, we're on from 7 to 10, but maybe around that 8.55, you know, break area, we're going to be tuned into the Yankees game and see if we can get some maximum value of those 1.5 plus money numbers here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't look good again. Like, Lynch has a high x XFIP number. He's not a big strikeout pitcher, but look at what he's done. 72 right-handed batters that he's faced here over the past 30 days, Kevin. A 274 weighted on base average and an ISO power number of .119. Both of those holding right-handed batters down. And we take a look at the lineup tonight. I'm going to go over some ISO power numbers from this Yankees lineup, Kevin, over the past 30 days. You're going to like this versus lefties. Keep in mind, ISO power number anywhere between .160 to .165 is average. That means you're doing your job as an average Major League Baseball player. LeMahieu, .107. Aaron Judge, get this, your power hitter, Aaron Judge, ISO is a power number, 0.0. Keep going. Joey Gallup, 129. Hey, Giancarlo Stanton, he's a big power guy. Last 30 days versus lefties, 0.038. Luke Voigt, only seven at-bats. Thank goodness for the guy because he also 0.0 ed Odour, the savior in the lineup tonight. He's a lefty, hitting against a lefty. 233 is an ISO power number. Higashioka, congratulations on your .125 ISO power number. And as always, Davis in the 9-hole or 8-hole here, 0.0. Boy, oh boy, get ready for those live team totals in New York, Kevin, tonight.
4: I almost just was not going to bring the game up. Great way to end the show, right? It is what it is. Great way to end the show. Yeah, I can't wait. Also, by the way, Baltimore, I love this team. They're the best. They're throwing Keegan Aiken back out there. Uh, Every time he starts, he gets just absolutely hammered. So that's just uh, one of those, as Donnie likes to call it, a Mm -hmm. circle play. Something to keep an eye on. There's a lot of good stuff on the board today. Brewers, Cubs, doubleheader. Angels, Blue Jays, doubleheader. Interesting stuff there. White Sox, can they hit the Astros lining up against the Rockies? The Giants, I'm sure, will dominate the Diamondbacks. So that'll be some good stuff as well. But coming up next year on the early line, Ariel Epstein joins Donnie to let you know it's coming up on the morning after. Keep it right here
3: on Sports Grid.
4: Last segment of the day for a Tuesday for
5: the early line. With myself, Donnie, right side, and also Kevin Walsh, bringing those two hours action packed. As always, we like to get the crossover here for the morning after three hours up on deck on the Sports Grid Network, hosted by Ariel Epstein and Ben Stevens. Good morning, Ariel. It is a Tuesday. Hey, it's almost Friday, right?
7: No, not even close, Donnie. Not even close to Friday. In (laughs) fact, after yesterday and the Yankees lost, or excuse me, the Yankees win, but lost in my eyes because of having the under five and a half, I just feel as if this week should end and we need to start fresh for next week. But nope, here we are. It's only Tuesday.
5: Exactly. Oh, that's a tough one there. I mean, extra innings, the runner on second base. I mean, look, you had the game pegged last night. Six innings, nobody scored a run. That is a stone-cold under, only to be snatched away by some late-inning theatrics here. 14 total runs scored in that game. Some big news here in the NBA. Must be nice, area waking up today and saying, you know what? Over the next five years, I'm going to make over $40 million from the Dallas Mavericks. MVP candidate Luka Doncic which that major deal being signed here.
7: They needed to get him signed to some max contract, considering Luca has been incredible for this team. If it weren't for Luca, this Dallas team would never have even been in the equation. Chris Abs Porzingis on and off, hot and cold, and everyone else is just kind of there. It's been Luca who's led the way in everything. Points, rebounds, assists, he does it all. It doesn't surprise me that Dallas has decided to give this a mega deal to their all star.
5: Yeah, we'll see what happens here. Clear out some cap space, add another superstar to Luca. We'll see if he can propel and even possibly win an MVP this season. Other basketball news here. Ben Simmons, it's a rite of passage, right, for the summer. Ben Simmons in the gym shooting three-pointers. It looks so great, Ariel. Are we thinking that this is just another, come on now, or is he going to get it together finally and be able to shoot the basketball from distance?
7: I'm shocked he's even in the gym trying to practice this at this point. If I were him, I would go take a nice long vacation. I would say, hey, let's, uh, let's take a break from basketball for a little bit. But, yeah, maybe. Who knows with him? I'd say no. The odds would probably be on the no for the heavy juice. <laughs> I'll
5: say what you, what you say yes to is the morning after coming up with Ariel Epstein and Ben Stevens right here on the Sports Grid Network. For the early line, of Donnie Wrightside and Kevin Walsh. We'll see you tomorrow.